We're bringing you all you need to succeed in the real estate business. It's Spilling the LT, brought to you by Lawyer's Title, telling you what it's really like to work in real estate. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Spilling the LT with Lawyer's Title. My name is Tamara Gady. I'm the Director of Collin County Sales for Lawyer's Title, and I have two amazing guests with me today. They are not only top producing realtors, but they're also really great friends of mine. And so I wanted them to come in and have a conversation with us today. We're going to talk about current market conditions because that's all anybody wants to talk about in real estate, but they are also very savvy investors and have been kind of my mentors throughout my investment experience. And so I wanted them to talk about some of the creative ways that they're handling their investments today. And uh, then we'll just see where the conversation leads us from there. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And Dave, I have David and Lisa Russell with me today. They are with the Russell team with Compass Real Estate in Southlake, Texas. And we, let's see, you have a combined 30 years in the business. 30 years. And um, I've known you guys for at least 10 of that, I would think. That's right. Um, and then just over the years, we've created a really great uh, relationship. And so I wanted them to come in and share with you today. They're very savvy at what they do. And we'll have some great conversation today. So let's start with current market conditions. I mean, we were just talking about an article that CNN put out yesterday about a buyer in Austin that bought about a $500,000 house. And in order to win the offer, he bought the sellers their new house uh, for another almost $500,000, totaling a million dollar deal. And so our market is the, the unprecedented it's not even, yeah. I, I don't even know what word it is. I, I call it bananas. Bananas it's is bananas. a good word. Bananas <laughs> is a good word. I mean, I don't even know what else That's to right. say. So, That's right. And now I know from talking with you that you are winning offers yes. without some of these extreme situations coming into play. And so I would like for you to share some of your strategies on how you're helping buyers win offers. Yeah, um, so it's... It, um... A lot of it just has to do with just how you tactically write the offer. It's not just price and going 10 or 20 or 30% over. It's a, a, bit, a key part is having a conversation with the listing agent. What does this seller need? What's their motivation? Do they, uh, and then trying to interpret from that listing agent is certainty or money most important to that seller. And we did have that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do they want to make sure that they close on the home or do they want the most money? That's and right. so what is your, what are you finding? Combination of the both. Yeah. 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 There, were, there are people, there are sellers that will take a little bit of a lower price to know that the loan is already underwritten. Yep. So that the buyer's already credit approved. The buyer's waived inspection period or the unrestricted right to terminate the option period. They have waived HOA documents. So they're waiving all of the contingencies and closing in the time frame that the, the seller needs. Not always the most money wins. That's right. Earnest money also, we've noticed, Earnest makes money. a big difference too. You know, sometimes when it's a tie between the two and all things are equal, the party that's putting up the most earnest money gives gives certainty to the seller also. Well, that's your skin in the game. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, right? Right. that's right. Because that's right. you don't get that back. That's right, right? that's right. And we're seeing 
you know, as a title company, a record number of contract terminations and have since October. Mm -hmm. yes. So we know buyers are putting in offers on multiple properties at That's once. Right. We know buyers are relocating here from other places and they're putting offers in sight unseen, which is causing some of this, right? Mm -hmm. So they're not being able, you know, the pictures look beautiful yeah, on MLS right. and Realtor.com and Zillow, right? But that isn't necessarily what you're going to see when you get there. And so I think that sellers are now enlisting agents, savvy listing, they're wanting that higher earnest money amount. Well, they, they want, if in the event that you get an option period, it's a significant option fee. Mm -hmm. So in many of our transactions, we've won, not been the highest bidder, but we've offered a significant amount of money in option fee. So the buyer has a lot to lose if they terminate that contract. How do you feel about no option period? Oh, we've done that. We've done that. We've it scares done it, but me. I, don't, I personally don't like it. I don't like it. No. Because it benefits the buyer to have at least a short inspection it, period, and it benefits the seller because that's non-refundable money, right? It, it does. It, it, it depends on the buyer, however, if you're if, and, the, and the property. If you're purchasing a home that's two, three, four, five years old, or, you know, I looked at one yesterday that was built in 2004. It was meticulously maintained. Everything, the air conditioning system had been replaced. The water heater was less than 10 years. Every, all the mechanical systems were mm -hmm. in remarkable condition. Mm -hmm. And it looked like Mr. and Mrs. Clean lived in the home. So as investors, we've purchased homes without inspections and option periods. That's how we win sometimes. Yeah, that's right. So it, with a home like that, I would be less concerned as a realtor or as a buyer myself about a home inspection or the option period. And for those buyers that are concerned about it, we just, I recommend a significant amount of earnest, or sorry, option fee. Yeah. There's a seller out there that will, for two or three or $5,000, they'll take the chance that that buyer is going to terminate to, and, and they get to keep that money. Correct. Mm -hmm. That's and right. that pays for their time to have that the house for, off and left, right. right? For a whole right. week, yeah. we've had, on listings, we've had yeah, that Yeah, we have. And the timing on it works out well, too, because if you execute on a contract on Monday and you have a two-day option period and they opt out, you're back on the market Part for the, the weekend. The weekend. Yeah. Pretty and much the seller made out. a couple grand. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's a win-win. I agree. Yeah. I actually have one realtor client that brings a general contractor with them when they tour the home mm -hmm. as a way to identify potential problems up front. Yeah. So they don't get caught in this option issue, that's right. Yeah. right? That's right. Yeah, and that's where it really, as a realtor, it's incumbent upon us to have some basic knowledge about the house and, and structural issues, mechanical issues. Is it R22 refrigerant or R410A? What's the cost of replacing that system so that the buyers are more educated? That's right. We still have a lot of those old AC Units a lot of those yeah. cast iron plumbing is oh, a big yeah. issue. Yeah. Every time I talk to you about a rental, you're like, be careful. <laughs> yeah. That year. That's right. Cast iron. Yes. Cast iron. No yes. Rental. That's right. That's right. Um, well, That's right. I think, you know, there, you are having to be so strategic about how you construct the contract. I've told many realtors that you're having to know the contract so intimately yes. in a way that you've never had to know it before. That's right. You have to be able to yield every section to your advantage yes. to try to create a creative offer for, right. for your buyer, right? right. Yep. Um, what do you think about this, you know, the new HOA addendum that has the blank Mm -hmm. to cover all fees, reserves, charges, everything. Mm -hmm. um, we were talking in our mastermind about how to make sure to cover all the fees, right? Can you put 100% mm -hmm. in that blank? Right. That's right. And the answer is yes, mm -hmm. but 
then you need to also understand what you're paying 100% of because right. there's a neighborhood, a subdivision in Frisco that they have a 1% transfer there's fee. There's a few yep. of those around the metro. There is. And that is. could turn into a really hefty amount yes. for right. a buyer to pay. Yes. Right. So how are you doing your due diligence ahead of time to make sure that if you do put that in the blank that you're covering your buyers, your buyers are very aware mm -hmm. of what they're doing? Yeah. So generally, if it's an HOA, I'm with 15 years and all the the transactions I've done around the Metroplex, I pretty much know where all of those are at. And if I have a question about that, then I call go to title people yeah. who know those answers. That's yeah. right. That's right. Are your buyers willing to do anything? We we have we have not yet. So in our business, I typically represent the buyers. I have not yet ha recommended or had a buyer waive the contingency of the of the um, HOA. Okay. They're all kind of what normal uh, negotiations would be on that in terms of pay a few hundred dollars or something. Most listing agents really don't pay attention to that HOA document. Mm -hmm. They're paying attention to earnest, earnest option, option, That's right. money, closing, yep. approval, cash. Yep. They're right. really not paying much attention. I've had zero resistance on leaving that addendum in the contract. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys are winning offers yeah. and without having to go to some of these extremes. And so We've that's, been very fortunate. I really wanted you to share your strategies about yeah. that. Yeah. You know, very that's fortunate. very important. I'll just say, and I'll just mention as, as a listing agent, I would love it if agents would just follow the instructions that are included in MLS. <laughs> it's very interesting. I'm sorry, what? They don't yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting when you outline exactly, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the seller's names, and that still comes over incorrect. Because ideally, when you get multiple offers, your client is ready to review them and sign off on one, not go back to have to now have a buyer initial all of the changes right. because the agent didn't do it correct. And also, you know, if all things are equal and I've got a clean contract on one and one that did not follow the instruction, well, which one do you think you'd want to choose? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just well, say it. Well, it also <laughs> says a lot about the experience of the realtor on the other end of yeah, the transaction. that's right. And one of the things that realtors are looking at are the other, the other agent yes. that they're going to have to work That's with. Right. That's right. right. That's right. And, and just to add into that, it's the relationship. Another reason why we call the agent to, because we don't know where there's 50,000 realtors in Dallas, Fort Worth. You can't know them all, but to establish a little bit of rapport with them, because if they have a good feeling about you as the buyer's agent, if all things are equal and they say, you know, this person was really professional. They really, they cared about you, the seller and, and doing what was right by you and getting you the best deal. And it's just about tactically how you position that. Conversely, if you don't do that and or you have an adversarial conversation with that listing agent, you're not going to win. Yeah. There's many times that we've won this year where the listing agent has said, thank you for your professionalism. Thank you for the clean offer. You were close with others, but we felt you're the best people to deal with. And that makes a difference. It does make a difference. Uh, I mean, we talk about that in the higher top producer circles all of the time is is the the issue of having who you're working with on the other side of the transaction and you know there's a lot of agents that they i don't know that they mean to but no, there's just, there's just fast. yeah moving they're moving fast. fast and there's a lot there's a lot going on we keep saying be kind that's right. right now be kind to one another that's right be professional make sure your contracts fully filled out correctly you know it's those kind of things i mean everybody wants to get to the closing table that's right that's the goal that's right
Uh, that's the only goal mm -hmm. is to, you know, have your do your fiduciary responsibility by your clients and get that's to right. the closing table. That's right. And so one of the questions I asked, and I'm going to ask you guys this question. I asked this yesterday in my mastermind. How far are you willing to go to assist the agent on the other side if you can tell that they don't have the right experience so that you do get the, the, the you know, win the property for your client and get to the closing table? Are you willing to assist the agent on the other side? Oh, yes. sure. All yeah. the time. So they have. swap Ernest and we have. option fee, yeah. you know, and put them in the yeah. room. Yeah, all the time. That's right. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, look, everybody was new at some point, you know, and needed needed a little help, you know. And if they're, if they're an agent that's new and they don't have a team to help them on their end, definitely, you know. If they've got a good buyer who wants to make a good offer, definitely. It's all on how, how the information is communicated and it's the dynamic. And that's one yeah, thing we talked exactly about. That's exactly right. right. It's the dynamic. So not to be condescending, but right. to come from a place of adding value. Yeah, Sometimes totally. you offer assistance to help them and it's resisted. And then you just have to step back and move on. Mm -hmm. But if they're willing to accept the, the little bit of guidance and or assistance, then it's about win-win for everyone, yeah. right? It's not, that doesn't have to be an adversarial situation yeah. and an adversarial relationship. They help, we work together to a common goal. Correct. We have to protect our sides and we have our fiduciary responsibilities. But if we work together, then this happens. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Shifting gears. Are we shifting? Is our market shifting? <laughs> shifting. We're, I'm, it's cracking. I'm seeing it. I'm starting to see a lot of um, price reductions. I'm starting to see a lot of back on markets and fewer offers. Now, there's geographically, there's going to be your hot spots that are yep. still crazy That's where they're going way above. But your areas that normally were slower appreciating or slower to sell, we're starting to see slowing down. A little bit of slowing down? Yep, just a little bit. Just We're just seeing some prep, just yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. So we, we've had conversation after conversation about buyer fatigue. And and we know our sellers are, are, are attuned to what's going on in the market right now. And they are getting really demanding about yeah. what their house yeah. price should mm -hmm. look like. Yeah. My neighbor down the street sold for, you know, 75000 right. more. Yeah, right? that's right. I had a client who they, they wanted to list for over $100,000 over market value. Mm -hmm. and my client said, absolutely not. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you have to turn those down. Yeah. I mean, we as agents don't want to. And that actually creates part of the complication, right? Is there, there are people who either don't know or they'll take a listing that's 30% above list price because they want the listing or they want to meet that client's demands, whatever the reasoning is. And that just makes it a little bit harder because then other people see that price. When we sit down at a listing table with a seller, oh, my neighbor's listed at this. Yes, yes, they are. And they've been on the market for 25 days mm -hmm. when everybody else is contracted in five or two. So, but this it's is that 2018 uh, again, right? <laughs> the beginning, the beginning first and second quarter of 2018, mm -hmm. we had that's right. crazy. And then sellers got to read up about yeah. what they wanted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we saw that flattening in the last, the third and fourth quarter and into the beginning of 2019 until sellers' expectations came back down. That's right. With market expectations, that's right. right? Are we going to do that again? Oh, yeah. We're, that, we're starting to see that now. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. A lot and of price that's, reductions. And that's, that's evidenced by my email box filled with all the emails that, you know, come out usually on Thursday, price reduction, price reduction. Mm -hmm.
So, but isn't it interesting that we started the conversation about a house in Austin? Yeah, <laughs> that's higher. That's it's right. been a million dollars you know in bought right. houses. The market's smart, though. They know when something's overpriced. They don't mind paying more for something, but not if it's already overpriced. That seems to be my experience with the listings that we've had. When you price them right, you typically will sell them for above list in a short amount of time. But if you price it too high, then that's when you're doing the price reduction. That's very important for it's consumers important. to understand. Yes, very important. And that is part of the expectation that we set with, with our clients in regards to that. The belief system of the buyer when they're, buyers are savvy, they are on Zillow, they're on, they're on all over the internet. And they're tired. And they're, mm -hmm. well, and they're looking at in the middle of the night when realtors are exhausted and yeah. sleeping, they're up surfing the, so they know a geographic area. They have a good feel for what homes are selling for that's because right. they've lost out on bids. Yeah. So when they see that new listing that comes on that's significantly above their perceived value of that neighborhood, they won't even go look at the house because it gives a, their perception is the seller's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And they won't even they won't even go look at the house. It reduces showings. Well, back then, my favorite agent was the one that just put their foot down and just said, I'm sorry, but mm -hmm. yeah. we're not doing this because it, it's right. a waste of everyone's time. It is. Right. And it's not going to end in a good result for you. And you're going to be frustrated with me and you're not going to see my value. And yeah, you got it. There was a secondary, a, t a second tier of agent that was like, okay, we'll do it your way for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And when, the, when it doesn't work out, yes. that's right. we're going to do right. it my way. Yeah. <laughs> we're right. a combination of the two. Yep. Uh, if they're completely unrealistic, we just shake hands, part friends, because what we don't want is an adversarial situation. We don't want to be on the phone. Lisa handles our listings. She doesn't want to be on the phone every day with a seller who's upset because we're not getting the price that they want. Right. When we knew going in, we weren't going to get the price that they want. That's right. So it just, right. it, it creates for a negative experience and we just don't, and it speaks to your professionalism level because you're willing to let the listing go if it's not the right fit. Absolutely. And there's just so many unfortunate, you know, what is it? The average uh, production is it, take home of a realtor is like $60,000? Nationally, at last I heard it was less than that. I mean, that's not, I mean. Not a lot. Not a lot. Eight, eight so it creates desperation. Yeah, that's right. right. That's For right. the ones that aren't, that, that have to grab on to every that's listing right. that that's they right. get, right? So, and we're seeing that right now. Because it is extremely hard to, especially if you're a buyer's agent, mm -hmm. you might write 20. We wrote 30 offers for one client. Yeah, you told me about that. I mean, that's that insane. That, that took a that was a lot. <laughs> but you know, when you take on a client, in my opinion, that's what you do, right? You get you you agree to take on a client, and you agree to take on their business. And as long as they're doing what they need to do, then we need to do what we need to do. Mm -hmm. Let's shift gears again. All right. Let's talk about investment properties. One of my favorite things. When can we get more? Even though I can't buy yeah. one to save my life. That's right. That's right. You can. I, yes, I know. And we're going to discuss this. Um, I will say after our conversation the other night, I walked away and I was like, I'm so tired. This short-term rental thing. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so hard. <laughs> Just not hard, but time-consuming, right? And so you have to be able to be willing to dedicate time to it. But let's back up a second. So just investment properties in general. Um, we all know that it's been very difficult for investors to find properties in DFW. I've got a lot of investor friends that are looking outside of the market. Yep. Um, I do have some clients that are finding them, but a lot of it's working through wholesale groups and, you know, off market mm -hmm. type of situations, you know, we'll buy your house for cash kind of stuff. Right. Um, what advice do you have for investors in this market right now? <sighs> <laughs> yeah. It's, that's all you can that's do. Right. That's right. <laughs> 
That's all well, right. I mean, it first starts with strategy. There are investors who are very long-term oriented and they don't care if it cash flows right now or not. Most of the investors that I work with are small investors, so they only own a few houses. Mm -hmm. And so cash flow is critical to them. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's about a lot of due diligence. Don't overthink it. A lot of uh, smaller investors have a tendency to want to visit the house and touch it and feel it. Yet they don't do that with their stock portfolio. It, if you if the numbers work, interesting, and the house works, if the right. data works, buy the house. You're going to get an inspection, right? Buy the house. It's a cost of doing business if the inspection comes back and you don't want the house. But you don't need to go walk every single investment property that you're going to buy. And I haven't had any problem throwing an option fee down and yeah, losing it. No, it's cost of doing business. Doesn't work out, you know. I've terminate. I've had to terminate. I don't know, three contracts in this market yep. of things that didn't work out. We've sold a number of houses this year via Zoom and Facebook. So as a realtor, we'll go to the house. We'll do the tour. We're going to be feet on the ground mm -hmm. for you as an investor. We're going to do, we'll do a Zoom, but trying to get the investor there with their schedules and get in the house and write the offer, you, you lose a lot of time. You yeah, lose a lot of houses. Yeah. You don't have time on investment property. Um, so that's one thing, key thing. And you got to come in heavy with money. Again, terms have to be significant. And then- 20%, it, 30%, 40% down? Uh, heavy Guaranteed option fee, heavy, yeah, heavy everything. Yeah. It's not always the most money. With It depends on who owns the house. If you're buying it from a landlord, then it's gonna be most money. Mm -hmm. If you're buying it from a homeowner, then it's going to be a combination of certainty and money. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be long-term rental. You can look at short-term rental, Airbnb or VRBO. You can look at corporate housing by the week, by the month furnished and those are other avenues most people just look at will it cash flow on an annualized basis with an annual lease and i had another conversation with another person in the industry and we kind of had a little bit of a difference we talked about that where you know he's looking at all equity and appreciation where i'm looking at it as well i want the house to pay for itself that's right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i don't want to pay for it yeah that's so it. cash flow is important cash flow and, and one mistake that i see a lot of new investors make because i've talked to a lot of them as, as i acquire them or that we uh, misunderstandings they have when we first have a, a consultation is they're calculating tax rate based on current tax assessed value the taxes every year you get that mortgage yeah. shortage if you have a loan you that's know right. if you yeah. have a loan that's that's right. Right. you just get the additional tax bill right that's right and, and you... it erodes at your cash flow yeah. over time plus repairs you know because you've got to do maintenance on the house that's right, right? that's right now one right now there's a shortage of, of rental property that's too right. yeah so there is you can get a lot more rent you than can. normal but but I'm what I'm finding is what you're paying to get into the house there's still not enough skin right. in the game because of the way the market is that's right. right now and what is the Many people, again, are calculating the taxes based on the current tax assessed value. We had a rental that when we turned it into a rental, we were making, it was 500 a month cash flow. In six years, it was 50 a month. Yeah, because the taxes just kept increasing. Because the taxes increased. You don't get homestead exemption. You don't get homestead exemption. You get no exemption you on it. You get no exemption on it, yes. <laughs> you get none. You just get the big tax bill is basically what you get. So how do you, how do you prepare for, how do you, how do you, Run we, the numbers so that you, you just calculate yeah. your tax rate by the purchase price. That's right. Okay. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that's how they're going to assess it, but that's your your safety net, if you will. Okay. If it cash flows at that, then you have a reasonable opportunity that it's going to be a good property for you. Ideally, 
You want the rent to be able to go up every year. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And a lot of people right now, because COVID has brought on some really in interesting investment strategies for tenants, I mean, for landlords dealing with tenants. Mm -hmm. um, aren't you guys doing month, are you the ones that are doing month to month on all of your properties? I yeah. mean, you do short term rentals, yes. which we'll talk about, but right. yep. on your traditional rentals, are you still holding with a month to month issue, policy? So on one of them, we are right now just because. Um, we're tossing back and forth. If she'll pay a certain amount, we'll keep it as a long-term. But if she decides she doesn't want to pay that, we'll make more money flipping that into a short-term. And so, you know, kind of just depends. Obviously, month-to-month -month works for the landlord because yes. we get 30 days to let them know, you know, well, somebody and, else. And the eviction ban, we looked it up, mm -hmm. up at the end of this month. Mm -hmm. And one of the major concerns for landlords was if my tenants don't, what happens if my tenants Tenants don't pay, um, and I can't get them out because they're in a lease. There are cave there were caveats uh, so, to so, that. Yes. If they violated the lease for any other That's reason. Correct. It was non-payment. You could not evict for non-payment. You no. could evict for other infractions or violations of the lease. Yes. Now, depending on where you're at in, in terms of jurisdictions, some judges were were still not evicting, regardless yep. of the reason. Yep. They were holding off. We had one experience with that. Um, so, but that's going away July 1st, and, and really in Dallas-Fort Worth. July 31st. Uh, yeah, thank you. In, uh, in Dallas-Fort Worth, I don't, I, with all the investors I know, none of them have had a problem with, with people not paying with, due to COVID. I had one try. That, right. I said no. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked. And it worked. And it worked. <laughs> I mean, because there we are people who are just taking that as free money, right? Yeah. I don't have to, but, yeah. but you really do. You're so responsible. You're still for over the money. Rent. Of course. July, just delaying, August just 1, people are going to owe a lot yeah. of money. You're right? just delaying that's the inevitable, right. yeah. and then you're going to get evicted. Yeah. That's and that's unfortunate because there are people who have unfortunate circumstances and the landlords that I know work with their with their tenants as best they can. But, you know, you have to be willing to work with the landlord and some people aren't. And I, you know, if any of my tenants had that kind of an issue and it was a, an actual issue, yeah. we would have had that conversation. I mean, right. the st uh, t state of Texas came out with a rental assistance program that either the tenant or the landlord could apply for, That's right. for rental assistance. And and so that was one way to kind of get around the issue of non-payment of rent That's because right. I'm still responsible for the mortgage payment, no right? Mm -hmm. And so... Luckily, you're right. Most of the landlords that I talk and property managers that I talked to in the area didn't necessarily have that problem. Yeah, most. I mean, most most landlords are good people. They want to help. They yeah. want to provide a quality product to quality tenants, and nobody wants to have evictions. It's an ugly process. It's an ugly process, and then the tenant's going to have a hard time finding another That's place right. to live because now they have an eviction. That's mm -hmm. right on their yeah. on their record. Yep. You know. So you guys have implemented, you have been looking at homes outside of the market and you have turned, like you said, a bunch of your traditional rentals into short-term rentals. Yes. So um, let, let's talk about that because we have a lot of people relocating here from other places and they can't find a home. That's right. That's right. <laughs> There's a need. There's yeah. definitely a need for a furnished short-term rental, whether you call it corporate housing, whether um, some people go through it and just Airbnb and looking for something that they can get month to month. And usually you can find a home, especially if you're a family relocating here. It's much better on that on your family to live in a home where you have bedrooms for the kids, a yard for the dog, and a garage for the car, or the car, and... Um, 
instead of hotel. I mean, mm -hmm. the hotel, even as even the extended stay hotels don't provide you that space or even those amenities that you may need if you, if you have pets. Mm -hmm. So that's been a real fit. The majority of the people that stay and are furnished short-term rentals are from out of state. Yeah. How long, how long do they typically stay and what kind of, What's, what's the profit margin over a traditional rental? They, they're staying anywhere from 30, month, 30 days to a year. Mm -hmm. We have some that are in eight months, 10 months, a year for various reasons. Interestingly enough, they're all not relocating in. Some are rehabbing homes here. Some are their grandparents coming in to stay and they want a nice place to stay and have their children and grandchildren come and entertain. So there's a variety of reasons why people rent these. Um, Profit margins are, should be a minimum of tw double what you would get as a long term. Could be as much as four to five times what you would generate cash flow wise on a long term. Mm -hmm. Very profitable when managed well. But you also have to understand that you're gonna, if you aren't going to do it yourself, you're gonna hire a property manager. Yes. So what is the typical fee for a property manager on these short term rentals? We're seeing twenty to forty percent, depending on geography. What I mean by that is in Dallas, I'm seeing 20 to 30%. Outside of Dallas, I've heard as much as 40% in other cities. But other you're states. analyzing the numbers and you're still saying 40 to 50% more cash flow. Two to three times more. Or two to three times more. Okay. So if you would if you're cash flowing six or seven thousand on your long-term rental, you're gonna double or triple that, even paying the the 30% or 40%. So let's run through what the costs are, because Lisa, you've done a lot of the setup mm -hmm. for these. Yes. So what is, if somebody wants to turn their short, their traditional rental into short-term rental, what are they looking at as far as upfront costs and upfront time and, and what, what do they need to do? So the time to put, the time it takes me to put one together is a solid two weeks. And that includes you have to buy furnish. You have to furnish it, and by furnishing that, you're also stocking the kitchen and providing um, necessities like an ironing board, you know, towel, linens, bedding, towels, etc. You're also paying all of the utilities on the house because when the person does the rental, it's one fee and they get it all. Um, so we include security system in our house. We include obviously lawn care is included. All of that. They basically just move in with a suitcase and any other personal items that they may, but they may need. Everything else is there, and we set them up so that it is conducive to those that work or school from home since that's obviously something that is in high demand right now a need for that so setups like that and um, also it needs to have all the appliances there so it has to have a fridge and it has to have a washer and dryer yeah so. it would take me a little bit longer than two weeks. i was <laughs> yeah i just have to say i'm married to her yeah. and it takes two weeks from the time she's acquired all of the product yeah that's yeah. right there's that's right days and days i really think that if you just added up all the hours it's an easy it's an easy full month's work yeah it's because a, she's out to procuring. It. but once that's you right. do it once it's right. set up then you're done then it's done but i think it's important to understand what you need to be prepared for in going through the setup process. Right. Because oh, it, it's not it, it, like your traditional rental where you no. just slap a sign up and, yeah. you know. You're actually, you're at, it's a service industry. It's, this is a service business. And those those occupants will call throughout the day. They'll call in the evening because something happened. They need something that you've agreed to provide that isn't there or it broke. And then as a service provider, you have to deliver that service. So if that means at eight or nine o'clock at night, you take care of something or the next day you take care of something. So it is much more high maintenance than just an annual rent. 
Well, before we wrap up, we do need to talk about reviews really quickly because you do have to be concerned about that. That's right. That's right. Whereas a traditional rental, you're not concerned about. That's right. That's how people, that's how people find you is the reviews of your property. Ideally, when your house is buttoned up and it's very, very clean, there's really not much to worry about. You know, we, we have everything ready to go and buttoned up before we get the first person in there. And then obviously as they move out, then there's a review of the house to make sure everything is ready for the next, for the next um, tenant. The calls that come in are usually things that you can't control. You know, the AC just stopped cooling. Well, then we get service person out there pretty sure. quick. So, Well, I think to add to that, it's the same philosophy that we employ with our real estate business, and that is do- over-deliver. Mm-hmm. And that is <clears throat> treat them like you want to be treated. When something happens, you deal with it. And we all make mistakes. That's our philosophy. You know, if, if something happens, just fix it. Mm-hmm. Be honest. Correct it. And whether it's paying an additional fee to have the service people come out, something happened with the plumbing, you get somebody there that day, not three days later. And that makes a difference. So when you get those testimonials, those reviews, it's yes, this happened. However, boy, they were on it. They took really great care of it. And we still get the high reviews. And many people don't even mention that in the review because it was just a blip in their day. It wasn't an inconvenience. Well, and I think that's part of what makes us such great friends is we see things the same way making sure that we add value and taking care of our clients and making sure everybody has a good experience with us. And if we do make a mistake, owning it and, and doing what we need to yeah. do to fix it. That's right. right. Um, so I want to say thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate always when I get to spend time with you guys. Thank you for an, joining us for another episode of Spilling the LT. Please make sure that you go on to our and subscribe, like, and share our post and our videos so that um, you stay in tune with everything that we have coming up Uh, all real estate related. Thank you again and uh, have a great day.